Hello everyone, this is Tim Dodd. Welcome to the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast. Faithful to give witness to tens of thousands, yes, and to the millions that believe it. And believes in I believe that God's gladly lived a packet until all around the world it's been circulated. Greetings, brothers and sisters. Welcome to another episode of the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast. We have in the room here, Brother Tim Dodd, who's back from Ethiopia, from Uganda. He was gone for, as you know, about two weeks. Uh, three weeks, he says. I stand corrected. We released about three episodes in that in the space of three weeks to cover his trip. And I so enjoyed the format because it felt like it was a correspondent with boots on the ground going throughout the countries of Africa, giving us live reports every day of what the Lord was doing there. But as we announced, we wanted to have a debrief with him in the studio, in person, so we can just talk about what the Lord has been doing for the past several weeks in Uganda and Ethiopia. And I have Brother Victor Ademora with him here in the room. First time on the podcast, Brother Victor, welcome. Thank you. And we'll be hearing as well from him. He, was to, he went to Uganda with Brother Tim Dodd. And he witnessed firsthand a lot of things that he heard about. I guess he can see he can say like Job, I've heard, but now I've seen. Brother Tim Dodd. Amen. Thank you, Brother John. It's good to be back. It's always good to be back. Being on the road is always taxing. Even if the the body can handle it, it's always wearing on the mind when you're out of your comfort comfort zone. But uh, it's really good to be back and glad to be on the podcast today. This will probably be our last podcast on Uganda in this series. Right. And, uh, and so we're uh, very glad to be doing it because no matter how much you talk about it, you'll never get all the details. Mm-hmm. The only way to get all the details is to be there on the ground and see it firsthand. Amen, Brother Victor? Amen. <laughs> so, so far from Brother Victor, we've got a, uh, a hello and an amen. And uh, we expect to get more words out of him today. That's true. Correct. There's a fourth word. <laughs> so welcome, Brother Victor, to the podcast. And we were I was very glad to have Brother Victor with us um, on the trip, even though uh, some, some of the believers, a few of the believers asked Brother Fred, why does Brother Tim take a bodyguard with him? <laughs> <laughs> and Brother Victor, if you don't know him, he's a young strapping guy and... and uh, uh, they thought, man, he looks like a bodyguard. So he he dresses the part, you know, he kind of dresses dark and he wears dark clothes, blues or blacks and all of that kind of stuff. And people, good thing he wasn't wearing sunglasses. That's all I'll say. Or an earpiece. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the Lord did wonderful things in Ethiopia and in Uganda. And I was first went to Ethiopia uh, by myself. I thought, you know, I'm going to be close by in Africa anyway. It's only about a two and a half hour flight between the countries. And uh, I thought, well, you know, I can spend a weekend in Ethiopia, just touch base, meet with the ministers mm-hmm. and have a meeting and and uh, just see how things are going there. We didn't have a big itinerary, but uh, just wanted to spend a few days with them over there before I got to Uganda. Right. So we've covered Ethiopia over several podcasts, obviously, I believe the audience is not getting familiar with the landscape of the country. We know of Hawassa, Addis Ababa, the Brazil, Chome, Tulobolo, which I believe we just received a testimony. We from. did. You, I guess you will share that in a little bit, but why don't you tell us what's going on in these different places or in some of these places? Well, the first day that I was there, the Saturday, I, I met with the ministers or some of the ministers there in Addis Ababa. 
ministers came in from Shoni, from Hawassa, and uh, we had a time together, and it was really wonderful. It was there that we heard about the testimony of the sister that was healed uh, of breast cancer, right. how God supernaturally uh, came down, and I won't say unexpectedly, but in an unexpected way, he came and touched her. And uh, this was in Hawassa, and the people, the believers in Hawassa, just after I was there in May, uh, the brothers, Brother Mogus, the pastor in Addis Ababa, was introducing the correct form of, of communion for them. Uh-huh. And so they, uh, they were partaking of communion, so it was new for them. And as he was introducing foot washing, he tells me he, he felt led to emphasize, you know, don't just wash the feet of somebody in your family. Right. You know, reach outside mm-hmm. your family, reach outside your comfort yeah. zone. And, and, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, we're all one family. And so there was two sisters that uh, decided they would wash one another's feet. Uh, but unbeknownst to many people, except for maybe the ministers in Hawassa, there had been some difficulties between these two sisters. You know, as happens from time to time, people mm-hmm. have disagreements and that sort of thing. So before, you know, they're washing feet, you know, they're talking and... And it was an opportunity in that humble atmosphere of foot washing to make things right, to, you know, forgive one another, all of those kind of things. And, you know, Jesus in the scripture says, whatsoever you ask believing, you shall have what you ask. But when you, be, when you ask, right. forgive. Yeah. Amen. That your father, which is in heaven, may forgive you. Right. You see. And so that atmosphere of forgiveness, the Holy Spirit must have been very pleased with that. Mm -hmm. And he uh, came down, and this one sister, she had breast cancer that was so bad that it was was creating a foul odor around her. It was, you know, she had cancer so heavily that her body was beginning to deteriorate. Mm. And it was so serious and the doctors had given up on her, and and the 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 believers, the the brothers were saying, you know, what if she dies? What will we do with the children? You know, who mm-hmm. will take the children? And so it was a very very serious time for her. Well, God came down at that time. They weren't specifically praying. They had already prayed for her healing, but they weren't at that meeting specifically praying for mm-hmm. her. And two days later, it was completely gone. Amen. So the power of God was loosed through a communion service for right. her. And we, so we had a time, wonderful time with the ministers. They were f- catching me up on what was happening, how that uh, in the town of Debrezet, the that there had been quite a number of believers now baptized, that there had, uh, uh, there's now a group gathering there of about 20-some people. Wow. And, and how that... Um, you know, the the different things that God was doing amongst them. They wanted to come to church on Sunday uh, for the meeting, but they didn't know if they could make it because uh, they have a, a festival in that town on that day. Mm-hmm. And it was so serious that we considered canceling the weekend, but we were so far into it, you know, the tickets couldn't be changed without a huge expense and all of that sort of thing. So, so it ended up that we had the weekend anyway, and uh, the believers in Debrezet were determined that they wanted to be in the service. 
So they, as soon as the roads opened, because they closed the roads for this festival because it right. had deteriorated into political turmoil in previous right. years. People had died in rioting and oh, different wow. things like that. It was very, very serious. And as soon as the roads were open at 11 o'clock, they were immediately getting into transportation and coming to the service. So they walked into the service on Sunday right about 12 o'clock, which was about 45 minutes into the preaching. And so they, it was good to see them, you know, all walk in. And there's probably about 10 or 15 of them that were able to make it. And, and uh, we just had a wonderful time with the saints there on wonderful. Sunday. And I believe the Brisit was a door that opened up earlier this year. It was. It was. They were in for the first time gathered together when we had the convention in May. Right. And there was a number of them there. And since that time, as I said, many of them have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, and that continues to be a major outreach from the local assembly because it's not too far. It's only about an hour from the church mm -hmm. in Addis Ababa. So they're, they've been reaching out to them for the last few months and as God establishes the work there in Debrezet. Amen. Amen. Now, did you get to hear anything, uh, anything further about Brother Joseph? Brother Joseph couldn't make it that okay. weekend. And uh, we did talk about him, and, and he's doing fine. Uh, he's, he's quite a ways from Addis Ababa, so they don't have a lot of personal contact. They are mm -hmm. in contact uh, over texting and, and phone calls and stuff like that. But uh, no, no, no update on Brother Joseph. Brother Tesfa from Shone was there. Right. Brother Tesfa from Hawassa was there. So Tesfa must be a common name, maybe like John in English or something, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and so those two brothers were there. And Brother Tesfa from Shone always comes when I'm in, in the country, wherever I am, he always comes. He's a minister in Shone and, and has been leading the group there. And so... Uh, So that it was a very wonderful service. The Lord definitely moved in a mighty way. Uh, the people were were greatly impacted. Very much the same uh, type of services as we had in Uganda, Brother Victor. Amen. And uh, so so then um, then we went from there to Uganda. But just this morning, just this morning, I was in contact with Brother Mogus, and uh, he sent me a testimony of a sister. We were talking about the sister who had been healed from breast cancer, and I wanted to get her name and her picture for the Believer's Faith Challenge report. But he had told me about another young sister who in the group in Debrezet. And uh, just uh, she's just 17, 18, one of, the, one of the daughters of one of the families there. And she had been in the hospital with tuberculosis. She, Brother Mogus said it was a similar case If you'll remember a few years back, there was a, a brother of one of the sisters in the church in Addis Ababa, uh -huh. and he was dying with tuberculosis, and they went in and prayed for him, and God mightily raised him up, and through that raised up a testimony in his hometown. And over the years, we've seen a, tr a trickle of people come out of that town to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if people aren't aware of What Ethiopia is like, the, the culture is very, very strong. Mm -hmm. I think that town is like a Lutheran town. Everybody's mm -hmm. Lutheran. And there might be a town that's Orthodox or a town that's uh, maybe Pentecostal or something. And, and if you're not a part of the mainstream 
worship of that town. You're basically an outcast. Wow. And so for them, for him to receive the message and for others, like his daughter has been baptized and so on and so forth. Well, now this in Debrezet, there's this young sister who has been healed uh, supernaturally of tuberculosis. And I have the testimony and I, I think we'll play that for you now. Yeah, we're just going to pause there now and just play this audio from Brother Bogus. There was another also additional testimony. This is from a place called, from Devrazeit. The, there was a little girl called uh, Saron. Uh, maybe I have not shared that with you. She was in a very bad condition and a very bad, severe um, situation. She was suffering from uh, from tuberculosis, uh, same as uh, Brother Tefara, the brother who was healed from it in uh, in another place. That is the brother whose who, whose name was changed to Lazarus. So. This one was also in the same condition with him. So when we had that, we went there and we, we kneeled in that hospital and together we prayed for her. She was just little, she's a little girl. So she's about 18 or 17 there. So she's one, she's a daughter of one of the believers in the church. So after some time now, she recently comes to church. She says she gives a testimony that she's, she's completely healed. That time she couldn't breathe. She was uh, given. Um, she was given. Uh, I mean, uh, the the glucose. She was even given another people's uh, other people's blood. Kind of. She was in a very uh, severe and uh, very bad condition. So right now she's very sober. She's even resumed her school. It was really really amazing, and just, it was a tremendous testimony. I I hope I will get it. Uh, there is a little video that was recorded about her. I will send you and you will include it. God bless you. Shalom. That's wonderful, isn't it? Wonderful. Amen. We thank God for Amen. his grace and mercy to that young lady who was in such a terrible condition. This gospel is is a reality. It's alive. It's active. And all the promises are in effect, and God has come in this hour to reveal himself in a mighty way. Amen. Uh, going back to the testimony of, of the brother that you mentioned, I believe they called him Lazarus, if I remember correctly. That's right. Because he was raised from the dead. It's just ironic to me that in the scripture, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, and they wanted to kill him and Lazarus. Exactly. <laughs> and exactly. Then in Ethiopia, sure. Jesus raised Lazarus, and so many souls Amen. have been one since. Now, we move from Ethiopia to Uganda. Tell us about the itinerary. You land in Uganda. I think you arrived on the Friday. No, we left You left Ethiopia on the Monday after the meetings. And uh, our purpose was usually at the end of the trip in Uganda, we'll do some administrative work, meet with some people, mm -hmm. talk with the ministers and stuff. But I decided to front end load it be before the meetings in Uganda and after the meetings in Ethiopia. So I had a few right. days during the week there. Got into Uganda on Monday. The brothers were arriving at the end of the week. Stephen and Judah were coming in on Friday. Victor was coming in on Saturday. And so I had a few days to follow up. Tuesday, I had several meetings, one with a translator, another one with uh, Brother Basabosi, who manages the printing and the translation teams for us there in Uganda. Mm -hmm. And just following up on things, uh, making sure everything was in order and, and working correctly and 
you know, when you're working at a long distance, it's not always easy to sit down and talk. Right. So we, we had a good time with them. Wednesday we sent, spent with the Chinjis, a wonderful family. And then Thursday I traveled up to the Iganga region, the eastern Uganda region, with to be with Brother Stephen and Bally and start the meetings there on Friday. Okay, so the first set of meetings started the Friday then. That's right. That's what I was thinking. Before we go into the meetings, from a translation standpoint, is there any update that you can provide us in terms of what's going on there? The translation in Uganda is, is maturing in that uh, the the translator I met with on Tuesday was actually from the Ranyukatara language, which is in Western Africa. Right. We're working on the Church Age book, getting it ready to print. And so... Meeting with him, we uh, uh, discussed some of the issues at hand to finish up the project. And Runya Qatar is a language that has largely been sponsored by End Time Message Tabernacle in Edmonton. It used to be Brother Harold Hildebrandt, now it's Brother Ed Hammermeister. Brother James Novanabande, who's been here in Cloverdale, yeah. uh, he, he, that's his language. And he kind of runs that or, or manages that aspect of translation. He's not a translator, but he... He's the main minister that that uh, arranges all of that. So I met with that translator. But the the other languages we are working in in Uganda are Luganda, Ateso, and Karamajong. Now Luganda, we have finished the um, the two hundred and twenty seven titles. Seed library. Seed library. We call it. Yeah. Yeah. That we do. And then uh, so now there's only a trickle of Luganda messages coming in you know, one or two a month, and, and I think that's great. Uh, then now the Atesso have finished up the seed library as far as the initial translations go. Now they're doing the proofreading, and okay. they're almost finished that. So the Atesso language is almost done, the seed library, and then they can continue on on their own strength. What it means is that we will not sponsor any further translation and so they are. Now, it's now up to them and their burden to carry on with translation. Then the Karamajong, they're in the middle, probably about the middle of their translation effort to get the seed library done. All of these languages need church age books. Uh, mm. Luganda, because we, although we've printed, I think, 35,000 Luganda church age books, we're almost out of stock again. So at, at $2 US a book, that's what it costs to print a church age book. We need to print another 10,000 Luganda church age book because of the awakening and the demand that's amongst yes. the people there. And also there's demand amongst the older established churches to right. get them the books. Brother Victor can maybe comment on this in a little bit. Uh, and then uh, the Atesso language, we want to print their church age book and the Karamajong language, their church age book. The demand there is a little bit lower. Probably if we printed... Uh, three or four thousand copies would be sufficient, maybe five thousand. And uh, so it's these languages. The Runyakatara, we're doing their church age book. We have other church age books in other languages, but these all of these languages in Uganda now need a printing of the church age book okay. to get it into the hands of the people. Right. Well, as always, we appreciate all the support that we receive from all over the world. None of these testimonies of the awakening we're seeing in Uganda would have been possible without the giving of the faithful children of God around the world. So should the Lord provide, please remember these needs in Uganda. Amen. Amen. 
Uh, going into the meetings, Friday is the first day of the meeting. Mm -hmm. Tell us about it. Friday was a meeting at Brother Elijah Diogo's in Mayugi. And uh, so we have, he's got a good-sized church there, and we probably had about four to 500 present. And we're, um, we were very uh, happy to have, always happy to have a meeting there. One, one of the things I'll say is that the weather was an issue. You know, it, we we went in October. We usually go in November, and just seemed to be this year. October was the time that the brothers felt it was best, and and we saw the hand of the Lord in it at the end of the whole trip. But uh, the it hindered a lot of people from traveling to the meetings mm -hmm. because the roads sure. are wet and muddy, and the people don't have vehicles. Most of them don't even have bicycles, and they're walking. They're on foot, and so it's it's very much. Uh, difficult for them. So the turnout was good. We probably had about 450 people there. The right, the church itself holds a, their regular size is about 150. So it was a good turnout. And uh, we had wonderful meetings with them there. And then uh, on the Saturday... What, was that uh, 450 people, was that just believers or also newcomers, people that were invited from denominations? No, it was mostly believers uh, that are... Um, new believers. Okay. Okay. So you've got about 150 established believers, and then you've got the rest are from some a lot of the new churches. Right. So as we went into these meetings, you'll find a lot of the extra people were believers, but new believers. Yeah. And so uh, that that's uh, that was the extra there. So Friday, while I was ministering, uh, my son Stephen Dodd and my grandson Judah Dodd were traveling into the country. And then uh, they arrived late Friday night, stayed over in Kampala, and drove up early Saturday morning for meetings that was scheduled for Stephen. And then also I had one meeting on Saturday in a different location. <laughs> so that was that was good for him to experience. Uh, arriving late, getting up early, going directly <laughs> to the pulpit. That's always a good thing. Brother Victor's laughing because he didn't have it quite so hard because That's he right. came in on Saturday <laughs> and uh, and prepared to was able to prepare to meet, uh, to greet the people and preach on Sunday at Brother Basabosi's church. Right. Now, he was able to stay in Kampala, so he didn't get to experience what we were about to experience which I'll explain in a, in a few minutes. But Brother Victor, tell us about your trip into Uganda. Yeah, and and, and before you, you, you say something, Brother Victor, let me just interject with this. I want you to give us a little bit of your mindset and perspective before the trip. So obviously the Lord put this on your heart to be part of this trip. You can share a little bit about that. And what's your mindset? What's your state of mind as you're getting ready for this trip two weeks before, one week before, the day before, the day off, and the day that you arrive? Thank you, Jean. Um, Brother Tim, thank you. Um, so coming into this trip, uh, I mean, I've had a burden for a couple of years to go on a mission trip to go see what God's doing in, in another country. Mm -hmm. And so year after year, I mean, Brother Tim can attest to this too. I didn't have the opportunity. I had asked him, but it didn't work out for me. Um, but after a while this year, I just said, Lord, I need to go this year. And so I actually asked Brother Tim, I think it would have been a couple months before, I said, Brother Tim, let me know when your next mission trip is because I need to be there. And so he let me know October. So I put it down in my books, told him I'm going to be there. Got it off from work, got some finances together, and we were able to make the trip happen. 
Now, coming into Uganda, my mindset, I would say a month before was, this is my family. Mm -hmm. Coming to the trip and I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't know what God was going to do. I didn't know um, really why the Lord had really placed it on my heart to go. Um, but I just was under expectation. Um, so uh, my whole mindset coming in was this is my family. And so as we got closer a week, maybe five days got closer. I just said, Lord, again, I don't know what to expect, but I'm expecting something great. But my expectation became greater right. and greater every day as I drew closer to it. Um, but I couldn't pinpoint what it was. I couldn't pinpoint what exactly I was expecting, but it was something was bubbling in my heart. Mm -hmm. And so to answer your question, my mentality going in was, this is my family. They're part of me. That's all that I would say was, was the limit. And I was expecting something great. But when I came into Uganda, even from the plane ride coming in, yeah. um, you already, I already noticed God was moving. Um, on the plane, there was a gentleman I sat beside. His name was Elijah that, you know, the Lord supernaturally put us together. Um, there was some issues at the uh, airport in, in, in uh, Addis Ababa in Ethiopia uh, of the driver finding our plane. Um, but finally, after 15 to 20 minutes, he found our plane and I sat on the seat <laughs> across from this gentleman named Elijah. And so we got fellowship in. I found out he was a he was a pastor in Uganda. And uh, so we started fellowshipping upon the word and so forth. And he turned to me and said, this is a supernatural, supernatural meeting. Mm. Um, and I said, why do you say that? Because I want to hear what he had to say. And he said, well, because this plane was supposed to leave 15 minutes ago, but it stayed here. And I said, you know what? God is orchestrating every step yes, we sir. make. Yeah. And so I got an opportunity, opportunity to speak to that gentleman, Elijah. And I shared the message with him. And actually on the Tuesday, so that, that would have been on the Saturday, on the following Tuesday, Brother Bus and Bozy and I sat down and witnessed with this gentleman. Wonderful. Brother Bus was able to share the message with him. Now I don't know where where it went to. I don't know where it goes, but I believe the Lord. I had that meeting for a reason, and we'll see if the Lord will open up a door down the road. Absolutely. I mean, when you look at the the, the track record here in Uganda, it's usually you know <laughs> God opens doors with a pastor. Yes, he gets to believe the message, and then he, that opens doors to his congregation. Yes, and I think this. We believe it's not going to be any different than that. So we believe that God will open doors there. And Brother Victor, let me ask you a question. Yes. How was the flight? The flight was... Was it nice and short? No. So <laughs> it's a first... I mean, the first... I, we, we've traveled to Africa before when I was younger, but I don't really remember the experience. But this was the first time I actually vividly was involved. My emotions, my everything was involved in the flight but it was 15 hours from uh, Toronto to Ethiopia. And so... One flight, 15 yes, hours. After, 16, after six hours, I looked at my clock and I said, it's only been six hours. <laughs> <laughs> so I got up from my seat. I walked to the bathroom at least four or five times within the space of three or four hours. You know, I, I, I watched like three or four documentaries. I listened to about four messages. <laughs> trying to keep myself occupied. And you're a very active person. I so am. I can yes. imagine sitting for 15 hours, what that does to you. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, a long 15 hours. It was. Well, praise the Lord. We're glad you came, Brother Victor. I think it was just ordained of God that you not just be there, and have the opportunity to minister, but have the opportunity to witness what God was doing. Mm -hmm. Amen. In the country of Uganda, it's it's 
something that's so hard to explain to people around the world. You've heard, you've heard me give testimony of it year after year. You've heard of the numbers being baptized, the churches, the different things. And I know the first weekend you were there with Brother Bussabozzi and, uh, and then ministering for him. And then I think um, you, on Wednesday you went with me to a service out in now out into the outlying areas yes. where the awakening was taking place. And, and uh, then on Thursday of that week, you went out into the churches, uh, visit a lot of the churches that we have built and, or not a lot, but a, a number of the churches that we have built meet some of the pastors and that sort of thing. Uh, does that make it more real than it was before? Absolutely. There's something about being out in the field and and experiencing what God's doing. I, I mean, there's a way it just changes your perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the biggest impact for me going out to the churches, seeing what God's doing in Uganda was realizing the importance of this message, getting into the hands of the people. That's it. Really catch the burden of, uh, of the burden Pastor Ed Bisco had and getting this message into the hands of the people and, and becomes a greater reality re- reality to you. Mm-hmm. That it's beyond just, you know, as Brother Tim, you would say, ministering is beyond preaching behind a pulpit, but there's actually groundwork that takes place in uh, getting the message into the hands of the people. And then you realize the importance of translations, uh, proofreading and printing books and, su- and the support of the saints and whether it's support within a country or support externally, you know, it's all, it's all working together to get the message to find that last elected seed. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. Uh, the vision of Brother Bisco to get the message into the hands of the people. And uh, we, I know we talk about it. Uh, Brother Tim Dodd here does an amazing job at conveying uh, what's happening in Uganda and other places. But for yourself, it's being there. Now you get to see the significance of what we talk about uh, and um, the burden really to get the burden beyond the vision of the pastor. Absolutely. Amen. That's very true. And, you know, as much as it was a first time for Brother Victor, it was also a first time for my son, Stephen, who just now we have pulled off the construction site in Grand Prairie to join us live <laughs> in this podcast. So, Stephen, welcome. Uh, thank you for having me. Glad you could take a minute from your job there, your work, and uh, just talk to us as we're in the middle of talking about Uganda. Brother Victor has just shared his thoughts which you weren't privy to on on his trip and then his his time in Uganda and I was I was just mentioning that you came in on the Friday night uh, stayed overnight got up early ready to preach hit the ground running two meetings on Saturday what was your thoughts well it was a little bit nerve-wracking at, at first, as we were getting there and all this was happening so fast, you know, you didn't even have time to stop and think. But, you know, uh, once once we were working and ministering, it was, you know, it was like you, you could just feel the presence of the Lord come behind it. And all the nervousness just went away. And it was, you just felt like, wow, you know, I could certainly work in this atmosphere for a couple of weeks, no problem. <laughs> I think that was your first overseas trip since you were with me in India as maybe a teenager? Uh, no, I was a little older than that. Um, I just started ministering 
when I went over to India with you last time. Okay. And, uh, but I'd only spoke over there maybe once or twice. Mm -hmm. Okay. But since then you haven't been overseas doing any ministry. That's, that's correct. And for the people's sake, you know, you are a regular part of the ministry in Grand Prairie, which was the church that I started there and, uh, yes. laboring pretty much every week in the ministry up there, if that's correct. Yeah, pretty well, more or less, um, working in the, in the song leading as well as the, the ministry. It's a small church, so there's always something to do every service. Sure. And the pastor there is brother Darren Boyer. So now going from small town, Grand Prairie, you went to, um, a very, very rural place, more rural, rural than Grand Prairie <laughs> in Africa, in Uganda, uh, came into Kampala, but you quickly headed out to uh, be with us in the in the eastern area there around Iganga. Meetings, two meetings on Saturday uh, at, with Brother Samson Labogo, and then two meetings on Sunday with Brother Hannington Belita. And uh, I heard I heard of you have heard that they were very very blessed on Sunday. I'm sure they were on Saturday too, but they specifically said on Sunday in Brother Hannington's church were blessed with the services. Now I want to just ask you, uh, now that you've been there after after Sunday, uh, I think your next service was Wednesday, and so you were with us on Tuesday in the church uh, there, ministering to the new church, and then Wednesday, uh, Tuesday evening we traveled back to Kampala, met up with Brother Victor, mm -hmm. who had already already been there in Kampala. Uh, Thursday, then or Wednesday night, you ministered. Victor and I went out and and. Uh, took the service in the countryside. And then Wednesday, you brothers headed out to see a lot of the buildings, be out in these various areas, travel great distances between the locations where these different churches had come into the message and needed a, uh, a church built for them because they had been kicked out of their own churches. Uh, convey, Stephen, for the people, your thoughts as you traveled, because you also did that on, I think, Monday, in the Ganga area, you visited a lot That's of churches right. with Brother James, and then Victor was also with you on the Thursday, and so you've been to a lot of these uh, small and rural churches in Uganda that have come into the message. Uh, I'll ask you a couple questions, but you can just share your thoughts. Uh, number one, uh, the distances traveled and the roads and the accessing the people. Number two, the importance of these buildings to the people. What's your thoughts? Um, <clears throat> yeah, as far as distances, I mean, I think we worked within a, a 200 kilometer area there. I mean, it was hard to tell because as soon as we left the Kampala area, I just completely lost all sense of direction as to where <laughs> we were going. But, right. uh, you know, the little roads just kind of go everywhere. And, uh, but I mean, it's rough. I mean, I compared it to, some of our back country roads that we use to get to some more scenic places that haven't been graded in 20, 30 years. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, so you're not traveling very far, but you know, it takes you two or three hours to, to go maybe 50 to a hundred kilometers, depending on what roads you're, you're using. Because they're so rough, um, you've got to go slow over those roads. Yes, they're very rough, full of potholes, not maintained at all, mm -hmm. and really no gravel on them. It's 
majority of the back roads are just dirt. So it's definitely difficult for the people to, to even get 20 or 30 kilometers, let alone uh, right, right. more than that. But uh, what was the second question again? The importance of the buildings to those people. Yes, that, you know, you the people really had no ability to buy land or build a structure on their own. Um, you know, they struggle just to, just to build a little hut, a lot of them for their, their own family, let alone to have any extra money to put towards buying a piece of land for a church. Although, so, you know, to go to those places where a building has been given them the, the vast majority, I would say most, if not all of them, you know, you, the people have these structures that have been built for them on a little piece of land. And you just, you see the appreciation mm -hmm. in the, the way that they are maintaining the buildings. Like they've taken the basic structure and they, they began to work on the floors and they begin to scrape together the little bit of money they can to buy chairs and, and, and they've, you know, woven mats to sit on and built little wooden benches yes. and worked on platforms and little pulpits and things. So, you know, to see the people take ownership of it themselves and say, you know, this is ours and, mm -hmm. you know, let's uh, improve it so that it can bless the people. It, it was really encouraging to see that. Did you get a chance to talk to some of the pastors? We did. And uh, they are just, the only thing that we talked about was the word, you know, they are so happy that the message came by their way mm. and that now they can share this with their people. And I had a chance to speak in one of those churches on Sunday and, you know, those people are just, they're on fire and they love the word and they just rejoice. You know, nobody's sad and, you know, feeling bad because they don't have a big, beautiful building. You know, they're just happy to be able to gather somewhere out of the weather and, and worship God. You mean nobody was complaining that the air conditioning wasn't working? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Only the Canadian ministers. <laughs> yeah, no, they are very appreciative. And and when you travel those roads and, and the roughness of them and the distance, though it's not huge by Canadian standards, we have in Canada, we have huge distances to travel, but... But there, it's it's more the time factor, and you realize it's just not possible for those people to travel more than say five to ten kilometers, uh, in because they're on foot, and so they've yeah. got to have a church within five or ten kilometers. For our American friends, that's ten kilometers is six miles, and uh, uh, I think that that becomes a reality when you're out in those more uh, rural. Some people would say the jungles of Africa. When you're out in the jungles of Africa, you know, that's yeah. that becomes very, very real. I, I had an experience that was very interesting, and I thought that I would convey it. And, and uh, they, Brother Stephen and I were driving back from a, one of the services. I don't know if you were with me, uh, but his son-in-law was in the car, and we stopped by the side of the highway and dropped him off. And he said, I'll drop him off here because his house is only four, four kilometers from here. 
<laughs> Only. <laughs> oh, my. And it shows you how they're used to traveling on foot. You know, that they're, he's, he's dropping him there and he's going to walk the other four kilometers into the bush to where his house is. And uh, wow. that's unheard of here. We would never wow. drop somebody four kilometers from their house and not be considered rude. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's true. commonplace over there. Let, let, let me ask you this question, uh, Brother Stephen, and also, Victor, you can answer this question for the both of you, actually. Uh, you've heard about Uganda, you've heard about what's happening there, and now you were there. What was this like? What was it like ministering to the people of Uganda? Oh, that's... Uh, was it any different question. than at home? Were they, were they any, um, was it, did you feel that their level in the word was any lower than what you might preach at home? Mm -hmm. No, not at all. You know, and I really like the way one brother put it, you know, with, when he talked about the, the Eagle anointings, I think he'd been sitting in your service, brother Tim, and, mm -hmm. uh, and he was saying that, the eagle is the one animal out of all those anointings. If you look at the type of the, the animal that from their birth, they're fed meat. Mm. And that's the only way that I could describe ministering to those people. You know, uh, we were told that some of them would be new believers. Some of them would be mature believers, but you, you didn't see anybody questioning and hesitant. It was like you, you just preach to them whatever the Lord laid on your heart and they just entered into it and, and laid a hold of it. It was amazing. Yeah. Brother Victor. It's true. They, they, they love the word so much. Um, and I would agree as well. There was no, there was no uh, limitations in their ability to receive the level of word that was uh, ministered. Um, but I did, they, they just absorbed it. They loved it. They understood it. Um, and even the translators who was, uh, who was uh, translating for the people, they just caught the burden and they ran with it. The burden of, uh, that was trying, to, was trying to be delivered to the saints, they just caught it and ran with it. And the people just received the word and rejoiced in it. Mm -hmm. if, if anything, they pull harder there. <laughs> I would say they're hungrier there. That's Brother Tim came on Sinai and gave his mission report and say, well, this would have been louder in Uganda. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I, I shouldn't say those things because it's not polite to the people here. The people here, Paul, they love the word. Oh, but I, I thought that when you, when you're sharing the service on Sunday with the team, and I believe I don't know if I, I turn around and say this to somebody. I believe I told my wife, I said, "Now this would have blown up in Uganda." Hmm. That's. <laughs> I, I'll reserve comment on that. We had some you know, wonderful meetings, without a doubt. Go ahead, Stephen. The, there was one meeting that was a little bit quiet to start um, specifically I'm thinking of. And, and that's the meeting on Saturday. And after the people had been sitting for three hours waiting for the ministers to show up, Oh my, you know, they were, they were a little tired and, but uh, you know, once they, once they got into it, it was, they didn't want brother Tim to stop preaching. You know, I think we counted about five services that he preached in that one meeting and they just wanted him to keep on going. <laughs> there, there was there was two services that I asked, should I stop? And and both of them were, the people were, no, don't stop. And on that meeting, you're referring to the last Saturday, which we haven't got to yet, but the last Saturday meeting, they didn't just say, no, don't stop. They were they were exuberant, don't stop. Yeah, you know, that's right. They, they were, 
the victor was there too. So I think if there was a uh, another service, maybe Stephen was uh, that was uh, slow on the uptake was the Tuesday meeting just before we left the Ianga area, and uh, yeah, that's true. It was, but it was only because like they've barely been months in the message. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it was, it was me gearing myself down more than the people, you know, I had to go to yeah. where they are. And it, it reminds me of something that's always on my mind. You have to go where the people are to bring them to where you are. Yeah. And you can't just stay where you are and hope they're going to catch it somehow. Yeah. And uh, so the Lord was good to us. We had a wonderful service there. We went from uh, on Tuesday night after the meeting, uh, we went into Kampala, as I've already said, met up with Brother Victor at the nice hotel that he had there because, uh, you know, we had a little bit more rustic um, <laughs> accommodation, not because the accommodations were bad. I mean, we were treated like royalty. We stayed at Brother Stephen and Bally's house, but we had these massive thunderstorms and one of the storms took out the power transformer. And so we had no power for about three days. And, uh, how, how was that, Steve? And what was Judah's reaction to that? Judah's my grandson. Um, well, fortunately, we really were only home, you know, uh, early in the morning and then got back at night pretty much after it was dark. Uh, so it was really just the night. And, and yeah, it was, it was very hot. And <laughs> we were thankful that we did have some storms blow in because we just left the windows open and it did cool off because you know without that we would have really not gotten very much sleep at all <laughs> yeah well i was glad you were able to experience uh the potential uh problems of africa and if there was one regret i had and i was talking to brother stephen abali the about it the other day if there's any regrets i have is that brother victor wasn't there to experience yes. it yes. it would have been good for him <laughs> Now, we were talking earlier on, Brother Tim, about how important these structures that we're building are for churches. And one of the reasons why is, I believe, as we'll go into it was weather conditions. So what does it mean for those people not to have a structure and to gather under the elements? Well, we can best describe that by the Saturday service. Absolutely. And so on Saturday, we had the large gathering, which was uh, a little over 2,000 people in Sita at the church there, but the church can't hold that many people. So they had tarpaulins strung up outside and some framework and a, the the platform was covered. There, but there was probably about, uh, I'd say, three to 400 people that were not covered, mm-hmm. uh, that there wasn't room enough room under all the tarpaulins and tents and things. So, so the meeting started uh, and... Uh, we were, as Stephen said, we were late arriving. They, the people had overnighted, about 400 of them had overnighted on the grounds wow. there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and when I say on the grounds, I mean on the ground. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and so they're waiting for the service and, and then it starts Saturday morning and they start singing and they had probably about a six hours of preliminary before we got there. They started up at 10 o'clock in the morning. I was stuck uh, in the hotel because of traffic, uh, brother Moses, who came to pick me up, uh, he couldn't get to the hotel first of all. Mm -hmm. And then it took a long time getting back to the meeting. I think we were all together on that trip. You, you rode with me together. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, so then when we finally arrived at the meeting, it was about three 30 ish 
And, uh, and I just basically went straight to the pulpit. And so we ended up being, uh, starting the meeting very late. I was supposed to be in the pulpit at 11 in the morning and I'm in there at three and 30 in the <laughs> afternoon. So that's, uh, pretty heavy. I prayed, Lord, please hold the rain back. And, and, uh, and the rain, um, the little bit of rain that was falling, it wasn't much at that time, but it, it stopped. And so we, I felt like we were over the worst of it and, you know, we'll, we'll just carry on and, and preach for probably about an hour. It, it was about an hour. I know from the time signature on the videos and, uh, and then the heavens opened up yes. and you should have seen the people scramble mm-hmm. because it's not just a little sprinkling now, it's right. a downpour. And mm-hmm. the people are sitting in chairs exposed. And, and it wasn't just that. It's once you get a rainstorm, you can easily have thunder and lightning. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're, they're every inch under the tarpaulins. Everybody was scrambling to have a little bit of covering for the meetings as I kept preaching. And, and that's where I was very, very moved to. Uh, I was very moved to do something. Let, let me just stop you there, Brother Tim, before you, you carry on here. Now, typically... What would this mean for a church, a little gathering that has no structure? It, well, I've got videos of it. It that, means they stop the service. No services. Yeah. They, they wait for the rain to stop. They stand under trees. They, they wait. If it doesn't stop, the service is over. If it stops, you know, then they, they kind of get back to right. where they were. I've seen it even under tarpaulins where the rain is so heavy that the, yeah. the people stop the service because the, the tarpaulins have holes in it and yeah. it's leaking in and, you know, all of that. And so these structures that, that we're building out of tin, because of these existing congregations that have been uh, expelled from their denominational buildings, we have mm-hmm. built about 50 of them. Mm-hmm. We probably have twice that many groups that still need a church. Mm-hmm. And we're just wow. finishing up on supplying uh, latrines to the existing ones. The, mm-hmm. Matter of fact, the last service that I preached uh, on the Sunday after the Saturday meeting was in a church that had a, we had built a church building, but they did not yet have a latrine. But they were far enough out of town that the authorities didn't bother them to have a meeting without a latrine, that they're actually coming down very hard on them. So we've got about eight latrines left to bill for existing church structures, and those are about $1,700 a piece that we need to build those sanitary facilities. But the churches themselves, I think Stephen mentioned, you know, buying a piece of land, putting a structure on it. Uh, the people don't have the money to do that in most cases. And... Uh, so that's a th- piece of land might cost a thousand to two thousand dollars, which is cheap, and then at least in our terms in yep. North America, and then a, a structure to put a structure on it is five to six thousand dollars, and that's what it costs to put up a church for a congregation in in Africa. And we've had brothers step forward in the past that were burdened for that, and God bless them Amen. for all that they've done. A tremendous work. Fifty churches is a lot of churches. Absolutely. Amen. Especially when you think about it, that means that for churches without a structure, rain season is just treacherous. Mm-hmm. You know, I know in the Congo, for example, rain season is about three months or four months sometimes, and it, it rains heavily. Yep. Imagine having to gather under those conditions, having no structure, having services canceled week after week. Yeah, exactly. Steve, you're a contractor. Comment on the construction. It's pretty basic. Yeah, there really isn't much to it. They 
it's basically uh, like tree tree posts that that they've. It's kind of a post and beam construction, mm-hmm. and then and then they build rafters or trusses out of essentially poles. Uh, we call them poles. poles. Yeah. yeah, yeah, probably eucalyptus or something like that, and then and then yeah, it's just just tin on tin on after that's very simple very rudimentary i don't think you could come up with a cheaper way to build a structure than that yeah uh, but they're sturdy i mean they're there's definitely they don't look like they're gonna blow down in the wind so exactly no that it's very true we've that is the cheapest structure that we've found to build there we've looked at tents we've looked at different ways of doing it and and this seems to be what we've settled on, and the Lord has has blessed it. We've been able to build quite a number of them. So, Amen. let's carry on with the with the service on the Saturday. So, the people we were talking about the weather, and which is what we battled all week. I should say that before on the we had the Wednesday service out in, uh, and I have the name here, uh, in Bukuya, and we had a wonderful meeting there under tarpaulins. Uh, Thursday, the brothers went out to look at churches and I was supposed to go with them or not to go with them. I'm sorry, go to a service in the Luero area, Hmm. which is a swampy area. And unfortunately the roads were rained out and there was no getting to the church location. There was apparently about a thousand people that were gathered there. I was very much looking forward to being at Brother Haruna's church there. And I administered for them in 2021, just after the COVID restrictions were lifted and I was looking forward to that, but we didn't end up uh, being able to get through. So I spent a few hours with the translator and his brother, and and we had some fellowship. So then, so the weather was an issue the whole the whole time we were there. And uh, Saturday we we felt like the Lord was going to bless the meeting. And it's interesting because, and I'll just share some things. I had prayed the night before. Lord, do something special for the people here mm. in Uganda. I don't know what, you know, just do something special for them, uh, just to help their faith along a little bit. And and uh, and so, I I went to Uganda with with actually not a great high level of expectation. Matter of fact, to me, it was more along the lines of just having meetings, ordinary meetings, reaching out, ministering to new believers, challenging them to take a step higher in the word and and those sorts of things. And also to uh, check out the the printing operation, which, you know, Brother Victor did for us, which we'll still get to that on the podcast. But, uh, you know, I really didn't have a high level of expectation for these meetings. But Saturday we were thrust into a situation where, we needed God to come on the scene, and uh, and so on on Saturday, uh, we I was about an hour into the preaching, and the heavens opened up, and the people were scrambling, and and you know it, it was disruptive to the meeting, and I just began to speak to the storm. I I knew nothing else to do. There was nothing else I could think of to operate. It wasn't to stop the preaching and and pray or have everybody join in prayers. Matter of fact, I'll be quite honest. In an emergency situation, I only know what faith I have. Right. No offense to anybody else, but I know what faith I have. Uh-huh. And someone else might have faith and someone else might be able to join with me, but I know what's in my heart and you know what's in your heart. Uh-huh. 
And uh, I've been in situations in my life that were emergencies and God has come on the scene. So I, I just, I knew nothing else to do but to speak to the storm. Amen. And I just said, Rain, I resent that you have come and I adjure you in the name of Jesus Christ, go back to where you came from. It was just as simple as that. And you can hear it on the previous podcast, brother. One of the brothers shares. He says the people were kind of wondering what was going on, and yeah, you is. know, uh, what, who is this man talking to the storm, and you know that sort of thing. And of course, I'm nothing, and is but it's just the faith of the light of this hour that resides within our souls, yes, sir. And so I just carried back on preaching. Stephen's a witness. Victor's a witness. Within a few minutes, and I mean a few minutes, the rain, that heavy rain stopped. Another few minutes, the sun broke out, and we had nothing but good weather the rest of the day. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I personally remember looking up into the clouds because as you were ministering, Brother Tim, I actually looked amongst the service. And when the clouds were coming in and the winds were coming in, I started looking at the eyes of the people. And then I saw, you know, some ministers looking up to the clouds. I saw some people starting to get a little agitated. But then, Brother Tim, after you spoke those words, and those few minutes went by, I looked up to my right um, and I saw the cloud, the great clouds pulling back and the sun breaking forth. Amen. And honestly, what that did for me was it, I mean, the presence of God just was there already, but what it did for me is, is just a supernatural boost. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, and it was, it actually brought me more in tune. If I can say it that way, it brought me into a greater reality of what you were preaching. Amen. And so it was a Wonderful. supernatural service on Saturday. Amen. Yeah. Steve, you were there. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty incredible. I was, I was thinking after you had said what you said to the storm, I thought, well, he just brought this to a showdown. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly so. what I thought too. <laughs> I, Cause I was standing yeah. there and I was thinking, well, now, now it's either God comes on the scene or he doesn't. It's yeah. either I'm a son of God or I'm not. And either we have faith or we don't. And so it's exactly mm -hmm. what you're saying, Steve. I, it was brought to a showdown. And that's why I even related that to the church here on Sunday. As good Brother Bram said, don't be scared to bring it to a showdown. Mm -hmm. Amen. And yeah, that's good. Uh, the presence of God was so powerful there. It was it wasn't something, and we not we don't want to make it some theatrical Hollywood thing of the the word being spoken and the clouds rolling back and you know all kinds. No, it was just simple. It was just simple. the The word was spoken, and and the rain like was squeezed off, and then the clouds begin to roll back, like Brother Victor said. And if you weren't watching closely, you'd miss it. Mm -hmm. There we go. That's and, it. And uh, and so God just allowed us all to be in such a supernatural experience. And it, I know it's an experience personally that I'll remember the rest of my life. Amen. And, and I've had a few, but this is this was a, a great experience. And that was something yeah. special for the people as, as you prayed the previous night. Amen. So that's Saturday. Uh, did you leave Sunday then? Or did you have one more Leave from Sunday? Uganda? Yes. Yeah, so Saturday... Saturday night, I, I guess I should just add, I think it's already been said in the previous podcast, but Saturday night, of course, at, as, almost as soon as we left, the brothers told us, then the heavens opened up <laughs> and, and they had a torrential rain for, pour for 
Uh, one said an hour and a half. One said three hours. Brother Fred said it was three hours. Right. So I don't know. Well, Brother, Brother Fred's more of an evangelist. So uh, I'll <laughs> just say between an hour and a half and three hours. And, and it really disrupted their travel home. But uh, so it was almost like God was confirming to them, I held this back for you all day. And uh, the Lord gave us great weather, and we, we appreciate that. And then Sunday, um, Stephen, where, what was the name of the church you ministered in? Oh, I, I don't know. Okay. But, uh, it was one that you had ministered in before, they said, um, one of the new structures. Okay, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I remember the place now, although I'm with you. I don't remember the name. I was over in Namagira Church myself on Sunday, and that was the last meeting. Brother Stephen and Judah traveled in back into Kampala. Then we traveled back into Kampala. I mean, some of these roads were, I won't say ridiculous, but, I mean, we had to go over a bridge that was closed to truck traffic because the bridge was collapsing before our eyes. Oh, my. And uh, I, I was watching the the girders of the bridge shake as we traveled across it in the vehicle. Oh my. And uh, it was it was a very interesting trip out there. Brother Victor, you were ministering in Kampala. Kampala, that's On the right. Sunday. Yes. So that was the end. Brother Stephen, uh, myself, Judah, we, we traveled out at about midnight on Sunday night and headed home for a nice 26-hour journey home. <laughs> and uh, Brother Victor headed out on Monday. Um and all of that. Now, while I've got you on the line, Steve, before we let you go, I'm going to ask you and ask Victor. Victor did a wonderful thing for us in that in order to, you know, help our reporting to the federal government for money that we spend overseas, we did a complete audit of the printing operation there of as far as counting everything that was there. Brother Victor counted all the books and gave me a wonderful list of inventory and, uh, and uh, what's your impressions, Brother Victor, of the printing there? Laborious. It's uh, I would say laborious is the word. Um, High tech. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they're working with what they have. Um, obviously, they don't have everything that we have here um, in Canada or, Uni or the United States. But, you know, they're, they're I was talking to Brother Bus and Bosey, and they're young men with passion. Mm-hmm. Right. And obviously it's a passion that's been passed down to them and given to them. And the Lord's really made real to them. But uh, it's it's laborious. They don't have all the tech and all the tools that we would have here, but they um, are doing what they can with what they have. Mm -hmm. Steve, you were there, I think, on the Wednesday night when you preached for Brother Basabosi. Yeah. yeah. What's your thoughts on it? Um, it, it uh, you know, they're they're doing a, a incredible work there with what they have yeah, like brother victor was saying you know to they have a machine that prints that duplicates very quickly and is able to put a lot of message books out but then they got to take by hand and collate all those books by hand and you see the the stacks of of uh pages of message books yeah. pages yeah just ready to go together and that's yeah that's really where the labor comes in and, uh, but you know, they, we were talking to some of the young brothers that were there working on it, some of the young college brothers and they were saying, yeah, we just love being able to do something for the Lord. Amen. So. Amen. And that's what they have in Africa, like every poor country that we don't have. And that is manpower. 
They have brothers that are available to work together and accomplish these things. And that's their part. Like Mm -hmm. we might say, you know, we're providing funds and we're giving donations and we're building churches and we're putting supplies into the printing operation. But they're also providing. They're providing the manpower to put it all together. And they're, they're under the burden to get the word to their people. And I say, God bless them abundantly. They don't have money, but what they have, they give. Well, we're going to bring this to a close now. We're well over an hour now. And I'm just going to ask uh, Brother Victor, Brother Stephen, if you could please, each one of you, give me your closing thoughts about this trip. Maybe we'll start with Brother Victor. Yeah, um, as mentioned before, it was it really helped. Uh, it really gave me a greater insight into the purpose of uh, getting this message out. Um, it was wonderful to, be, to f- have a face-to-face with the vessels that God is using in Uganda, Brother mm-hmm. Busambozi, um, Brother Fred Kainji. I didn't get the opportunity to see Brother Stephen Abali, um, but different the different pastors and ministers, um, even young ministers that God's using in Uganda, who every time I've spoken to them, they have such a passion for this message, mm. such a zeal, and uh, it's contagious and it's wonderful just to see that the passion that I have here is the same passion they right. have there. And God is just supernaturally moving. Uh, he's not bound by borders. He's not bound by time. He's not bound by seas or airplane rides or anything. God's the same message that we believe, the same God that we have and we believe is the same uh, spirit of God that's moving over there. And it's just wonderful and invigorating to see and experience. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you, Brother Victor. Brother Stephen. Yeah, you know, the one brother that I spent a lot of time with was Brother James Katumba. Uh, who works with with Brother Stephen Abali, and uh, it was he was sharing some of his testimony with me. As he was driving us all week, and and he was sharing how that you know, as I was kind of asking him questions, it kind of started coming out that you know he used to have a very a well a very good job, well paying job with the municipality as an engineer, and a number of years ago he felt really burdened to leave that to go move close to the church and bring his family there to be able to serve the Lord in, in a greater way. And, uh, and since, since that time, you know, all of this that's been happening in Uganda has been happening and he's been a very, very central part in that, but, you know, to give up, you know, over here to give up a good paying job, you know, there's opportunities all over the place here. You know, we can make money on the side in many different ways, but it's not the same over there. Mm -hmm. And to, to make that kind of a sacrifice, not knowing how you're going to be able to provide for your family. And, uh, you know, so many testimonies and brothers like that over there. and, And it just gave me a burden that, you know, anything that I can do to help these brothers out, um, it, you know, it, Lord, give me more opportunities to, to help them was really my prayer. Amen. And, you know, at many of the meetings, there was a lot of ministers there. And on the Saturday, Sunday in the area we were in, uh, the brother Hennington was sharing with us, one of the pastors there, all the brothers, the new brothers that were there, there was maybe 30 to 50 of them there, uh, Barely any of them, if any of them, even had a bicycle to be able to come to the meetings, to right. be able to help their people. You know, is it's just so many needs over there, but yet with so little, 
they are doing so much. Thank you, Brother Stephen. Brother Tim Dot, any closing comments? Well, I'd say amen to these brothers. And, you know, I would especially reiterate the comments on Brother James Katumba. He has been a godsend to the needs of this awakening that's going on over there. Um, As Stephen mentioned, he was an engineer, a municipal, I think a city planner was his position. And uh, mm -hmm. that is a very wealthy position over there, not just because uh, it's you're well-educated, but also because it's a huge opportunity for, I hate to say it, bribery mm -hmm. and collecting fees from people under the table right. where they want something approved and you have the authority to do that. So, But our, there's nobody like Brother James. Everybody has their unique position, but, you know, God has used him. He's been the one that has overseen the building of all of these churches. He's traveled. He's He's implemented. I can imagine, uh, Stephen, that you have thought of the logistics of putting together these buildings, not just uh, not just what they're built out of, but bringing that all together, bringing it to site, bringing the workers, all of those kind of things in the rural jungle areas of Africa. And uh, all I can say is this has been a body ministry. This really has been a body ministry yes, from the young brothers that that collate and print the books in the printing operation to the ministry that is there to the team that travels with Brother Fred, the singers, the deacons mm. that arrange things, the the interpreters, the all of not just the established ministers, but now a lot of the new ministers are stepping up and taking on the burden of reaching out and arranging meetings in different places. This is a phenomenal work of the body of the Lord. And even this trip example, exemplified that because, as I said, I went not really knowing what to expect, except I was expecting God to put it together the way he wanted it. Amen. Amen. And that was our expectation going, and it certainly was realized. I was very happy to have Brother Victor, Brother Stephen, my grandson Judah, who's just 18, and he was there on his first overseas trip just to be able to see how God works in those countries firsthand. I was blessed to have these brothers with us and see what God was doing and to be a part of what God was doing. So I just say regarding this trip, it is a, it is now history. <laughs> it, it was prophecy, but now it's history. <laughs> and uh, we take all of the lessons and all of the fruit from it and we move forward. Amen. Amen. There will be something to do tomorrow. Amen. And if the listener is listening, may you also be a part of it. Thank you for being a part of all that Bible Believers is doing. Amen. 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 Well, thank you, Brother Victor, Brother Stephen, Brother Team. Thank you for your labor. It took a lot of your time and, and your effort and energy to go to Uganda and be a part of what God was doing there. So may God bless you and your families. It's good to have all of you back here safe. We thank God for that. Amen. And to our listeners, I trust you've been blessed by this, uh, this episode here, a debrief of everything that's been transpiring in Uganda and Ethiopia. Until next time, God bless you. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Remember, friends, the bridegroom will not come until the bride has made herself ready. She must be both called and fully dressed by the Word of God. <laughs> <laughs>